0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church podcast, TCC, a home for you. Good morning, Trinity Community Church. Good it's good to see everybody on this rainy but warm Sunday. Um, I just feel like we had to do something real quick. How many of you are here this morning and you have a need? Lift your hand if you have a need. Don't be shy. Keep your hand up. Do, everybody Look around. Do me a favor. What I want you to do is find somebody with a hand up, and I want you to just lay your hand on them. If you've got to move out of your seat, move out of your seat. Keep your hand up until somebody puts their hand on you. What we're going to do is we're just going to pray. Make sure everybody's got to pray. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I don't know if God hears me. He hears you. This is, prayer is never about you. It's about God working through you. Keep your hand up. Everybody, somebody comes to pray with you. Get, some of you got to get out of your seat. I know it's uncomfortable. Nobody's going to take it. This isn't why we take your money. That's later. I'm kidding. That's that's a a bad joke. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to pray for that person right now. It doesn't have to be intergalactic. It doesn't have to have a lot of vows and here's and hither's. Pray for them right now. Just pray, Lord, I just want you to meet their need, whatever it is. Go ahead. The Bible says the prayer of the righteous is effective. It's powerful and effective. And you're righteous not because of you, but because of what Jesus has done in your life. So whatever that thing is, open your mouth too, by the way. You can actually use your words. Pray. We believe in the power of prayer, Lord. And I'm going to pray over us as as we're praying for each other. Father, right now, we pray for everybody that's in this house that has a need. Father, we believe that you can do anything. We believe that, Father, that you are a God of miracles. We believe that you're a God of healing. We believe that, Father, you're a God of provision, Lord God. So right now, we just pray that whatever the needs that are brought to you right now, in the name of Jesus, that, Father, you would meet all those needs. Holy Spirit, we trust you, Lord. We trust and we know, Lord God, that it's your heart for us that we would experience good things, Lord Jesus. So right now in your house, Lord God, amongst your family, your sons and your daughters, we pray that you would show yourself strong and, Father, we would experience miracles. Let it be in your name. Amen. All right. To my knowledge, nobody died. you did it. That's good. Don't ever be afraid to, prayer, you know, to, to pray. When I watched that video for the first time, the thing that struck me was the tragedy is not unanswered prayer. The tragedy is unoffered prayer. You Get used to praying. Get used to praying first. Some of you will notice with me, some of you will say, Pastor, you got to pray for my, you know, my cousin Matilda, who's I say, stop right now, let's pray right now. Because the prayer doesn't have to be 38 minutes long, you know, God can do in a second what, what it takes us years to do. So just, just pray. Get used to praying. Make it a habit. Uh, moms and dads, grandparents, let your kids and your grandkids watch you pray. Let them know that's where you go to first. That's not like the, you know, that's not DEFCON 1. That's, that's what you do first. We pray. All right. Can you tell I like to pray? Um, I want to encourage everybody, too, and I want to say, man, those of you that have fasted, we've got a few people in our house that have fasted the full 21 days. God bless you, man, and may your cheesesteak be amazing. <laughs> I don't suggest you, you break your fast with a cheesesteak <laughs> or else we'll have to pray for your healing. But uh, don't, get in the rhythm of prayer and, and be open to God. Uh, we go through these seasons of prayer and fasting to align our hearts with God's and also so that God can break things and do things in us. Um, we had a word that was brought uh, to us that, that we are poised to take another step the churches. That happens. Breakthrough is always preceded by prayer. Prayer and unity in the house. That's why in these moments where we're getting ready to take steps, the enemy comes in and he tries to mess with unity and he tries to mess with prayer. But mature believers, you know what we do? We push those things to the side. We lock on to God and we get it done. I'm excited we're finishing up our last week of the series Cultivate. Um, And I think it's been good for us uh, and we're going to end today with encouraging words. If you've never done encouraging words with us, they're exciting and they're great. And for some of you, it's going to be life-changing. Um, I remember, um, I told you guys this before, you know, we have, um, I'm getting a little bit older and, and, and one of the first things that you do as, a, as an older person is when you start to marry off your kids, it puts you into another category. Now I have a grandbaby, it's another category. But I remember when we first had our addition to the Harris family, that was, uh, that was not blood, but by marriage. Um, and I remember, you know, McKenna, my, my beautiful daughter-in-law, uh, joined us. As soon as we, Robin and I met her, we knew this is the one. We just knew. We saw others, and we knew those weren't the ones. <laughs> children, I know most of you are at the retreat today. If you're watching online, children, teenagers, your parents are right. And by the way, here's another little fun fact. The kids aren't here today, which means this. You may actually get a dessert today. at, the, at the, I suggest today's your day. Grab you a piece of pie. Do something because next week the locust will return. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so one of the things that McKenna brought to us was, uh, and it's a beautiful gift, was the gift of the Amazon wish list. Up to that point for Christmas and birthdays, we had no idea. We we're just shooting in the dark. So I was always looking for clues for things. Um, I'm a Facebook Marketplace guy. How many Facebook Marketplace people do we have here? I just love it. It may be an addiction. I don't know. Me and the Lord and Brother Jerry, you're talking about that, <laughs> and CR. Um, so you'll see me. I go all over the place, you know, and, and, and we do different things. Tori and I, our little thing is we, we, we look for old video games. I'm trying to relive my 80s, create a little game room, stuff like that. And we look for things like that. Uh, and I will use it also to buy gifts and presents, uh, for times. Unique things. I'm always looking for something unique. Uh, I found this out a few years ago that we, act, we, we crushed our children's spirits. We did. I, de- I didn't know we did this. Um, and, and parents, every once in a while, we, we just do things that we don't realize the impact it has on our kids. And, and something that Rob and I did left a, a lasting mark. Tori told me all about it. Uh, we decided one day for our yard sale to sell the kids' video thing of rock band. How many of you know what rock band is? It's the drums and the guitar and all the stuff, and it hooks up to the Wii. Remember the Wii? And we decided we're tired of moving this thing around, so we sold it at a yard sale for around like 20 bucks. And then we were horrified to find out that this thing that the kids had not pulled out in five years was the thing most dear to their heart. So I decided to surprise them one day, and I went on Facebook Marketplace and I went and I found a used rock band set. The drums and 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 and, and the guitars and all that stuff. By the way, just so you know, that stuff does work and it's effective. Tyler learned how to play the drums from playing rock band. He did. He did. He is amazing. I've played it, and I still can't play the drums, but that's another thing. So my journey took me to Lancaster. I found this person in Lancaster. We're talking on the computer. They said, I have a rock band set. I thought, it's a little far, but, but is there a distance too far to redeem my kid's childhood and to heal a wound that I caused at a yard sale? So in my head, I'm going to pick up electronic stuff, and I'm driving into Lancaster, and I'm driving, and everything's great, and I notice that I'm starting to get into the middle of nowhere in Lancaster, and um, I'm losing cell service, but the GPS takes me to an Amish farm, and I thought to myself, this is odd. I didn't realize that the Amish were so into video games. I said, this can't be right, but I have no cell signal, so all I have is the destination and this big, this farmhouse and this, it's, it's clearly not an, a modern farm. So I go up to the thing. I'm just going to give it a shot. I knock on the door and a gentleman comes to the door. I said, hey, I'm, I'm here. Um, um, I'd like to talk to, to Eric. Is Eric there? He goes, I'm Eric. Now, Eric had on overalls, like a dingy long sleeve shirt and a hat that made him look like he was Amish. And I said, I, I must have the wrong place. I said, I'm here for this, this, this rock band set. He goes, you're in the right place. He goes, hold on. He shuts the door. And I wait, and I wait, and all of a sudden, he comes out with this big box of all this stuff. And I went, huh. I said, does this stuff work? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, we used to play it all the time. I said, how? <laughs> I didn't know you guys did this. And he goes, what do you mean, you guys? And I went, oh. <laughs> so I got all this stuff. I, I said, TJ, shut up. Yeah, you know, shut up, TJ. Usually my wife started to go, TJ, shut up, but she wasn't there. Um, and she couldn't get a hold of me because I had no self-signal. You know? So I took all this stuff. Because, goes, oh, by the way, he goes, if you ever need more electronic stuff, just let me know because I'm loaded with stuff. And I went, ah, thank you. And I took the box and I left. And I thought all the way home. I thought, wow, that was a different experience of what I expected. I had no idea that this was still part of the culture and all that stuff with these guys. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's something that's very poignant for us. And I don't know if you do this, but I do this every once in a while. Sometimes... I connect dots that aren't there. And sometimes I shape my own reality. Whether it's reality or not, I have a pretty good idea of what I want it to be and what I want it to look like and the way it should come out. And, and it's weird. Not only do we do that in life sometimes, but sometimes we do that when it comes to our faith as well. Sometimes what we think in our head is different than the reality of what's happening around us. Now, sometimes not only do we do that, you know, with just normal parts of faith, but sometimes we do that with God himself. Sometimes we shape God in our image instead of allowing God to reveal himself to us so that we can see clearly who he is. You see, when our faith is based on what we believe God to be because of something we made up in our head, it's wrong. But when your faith is based on God's revelation to you, how he reveals himself to you, then you can see him clearly. Then you can listen to him clearly. And if you can see God clearly and know who he is, then we can respond correctly when God calls us. All of today we're talking about part of cultivating our faith with God is understanding how to respond to him correctly. When you come to church, why do you come? Why do you do this? You know, we Christians, we're an odd folk. Think about us. Sometimes we train for decades for a job we never do. Do you know Christianity, the job is not to come and accumulate knowledge and feel good about ourselves. This is the equipping portion of our faith. God equips us to send us to carry out the mission. But sometimes in church, we've made the educational piece the destination. And it's not. It's just the beginning. But sometimes we we veer because we just don't clearly see who God is. And if you don't know who God is, then you're going to miss what he wants you to do. There's a great example of this in the Scriptures. There's this prophet Isaiah. He has an incredible encounter with God that reshapes his entire understanding of who God is, who he is, and what his divine purpose is. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Again, if you have our little app, if you hit uh, live events, you'll see, get all my notes. I suggest you, you, you save the notes so you can go back and look at stuff. Uh, if you have the U version of the Bible, look for live events, you get all the notes. If you're online, it's good to see everybody this morning everywhere. Just this is crazy too, guys. I, I don't know how, else to, how to explain this. Since the last of October, right after our Family Fest, I believe except for one week, we've continued to break online records as far as people that join us online, live, for our two services. Which means that God's percolating something, which is kind of cool, right? Um, This is Isaiah 6, starting at verse 1. It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Verse four Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, It's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king the Lord of heaven's armies. So this is an incredible experience that Isaiah has. God takes him and he has a vision of what the throne room of heaven looks like. And after this vision, some things happen to his life. All of it starts first of, you can't have a proper response with, with, without seeing God clearly. For Isaiah, that was revelation. He got revelation of who God really is. Now, what is revelation? When I say revelation, do you you get nervous? Do you think, oh, he's talking about that weird book at the end of the Bible? Revelation is not the weird book at the end of the Bible. It's simply this, God revealing himself. When he reveals stuff to us, it's revelation. So when God reveals himself to us, this incredible thing happens. We start to see him clearly. Now, why is it important for us to see God clearly? Well, it's important because we base our faith on who we believe God to be. That means this, your spiritual sight is incredibly important, just like your natural sight. How many of you here today and you have glasses? How many of you have had a bad experience because you didn't have your glasses and you could barely function? I remember one time we were having problems with our, with our modem, and so we called our modem place, and they said, well, take a look on the back of your modem, and there's a serial number on the back of that modem. Read it to us. And I swear, all I saw was a straight line. And then we gave it to to, to Tyler or something. They're like, "Oh, there's numbers there." I go, "Numbers? What?" Your spiritual sight is important. Your physical sight's important. I remember one night or uh, one day actually, we were uh, up in Guanella Pass in the Smoky Mountains. Had a little white 1993 Wrangler Jeep. Had the top off, and we're up in this little mining town. I mean, remote. We're probably, I don't know, 15 miles from the nearest town. 20 miles from the nearest town. No cell range. No nothing. And we're there. And it's me, my buddy Steve, and a couple other guys in the back. We have uh, our guns just in case. I do know what you're going to run up into up there, a mountain lion or something like that. Perhaps an errant, you know, Sasquatch is passing through. I think they're friendly, but I don't know. And we're driving down this mountain, and my, my, my head is, is, is on this, this logging road. and It's small. And as we're going down, I see something flash out of the corner of my eye. Something furry and large duck behind a tree. So I stopped, I stopped the Jeep, and my buddy Steve sitting next to me. He says, what's going on? I said, I just saw something. He says, what did you see? I said, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's a Sasquatch. <laughs> Those are my exact words. And he looked at me. He's like, are you an idiot? I said, no, I know a Sasquatch when I see it because, uh, you know, I, I, I've seen so many. <laughs> so I'm not making this up. I'm so passionate about this. We stopped the Jeep. We de-Jeep. That's really cool for getting out of the Jeep. All of our guys have their hands on their weapons. And we start to inch toward this tree. I mean, we're talking in the middle of nowhere, Rocky Mountains. And as we inch toward this tree, one of my buddies goes, he's going to spook the Sasquatch. He goes, hey! And all of a sudden, on the other side of the tree, hops a bunny. <laughs> Not making this up. And my buddy looks at the bunny and shoots it. <laughs> Now, he could hunt. He had his hunting license. So it was okay. And he ate it too, which is kind of weird. But he just did. And, he said, and so all the guys did, they made fun of me the whole time. And I said, "I'm sw- there must have been something else behind that tree. He probably kicked out there. You get out there because i got to save myself. The challenge was this. The bunny was the same color as the thing that I saw. Duck back there. How on earth do you confuse a bunny with a Sasquatch? You know how you confuse it? Um, sometimes we see what we want to see. Sometimes we see what we want to see. This is why clarity is so important for us. This is why spiritual clarity is so important for us. I don't know how to break this to you. The word that you hold in your hand, without the inspiration and leading of the Holy Spirit, you can make that book say things that it's not intended to say. Do you know that? That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. Because what does he do? He leads us into all truth. So clarity for us is important. Revelation for us is important. Don't shape God in your own image. I have uh, good brothers, pastors, that do not believe in the miraculous. You know what they've done? They've never seen it. They've never experienced it. So what, what do we do sometimes? We shrink God and we give him our limitations. Isaiah in his first experience with God face-to-face, understood this. He is God. I am not. I am looking face-to-face with a God that has no limitations. None. Be careful, beloved. So for us, one of the most important pursuits for us as believers is to pursue God. You know, here at at Trinity, we are passionate about pursuing God's presence. Why? In his presence is revelation. In his presence is transformation. His presence can change us in a moment more than books can change us. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm a book guy. And we're also passionate about the lost. So when it comes to pursuing God, we don't just wait for God to just drop, you know, information on, you know, knowledge on our head. We pursue him. So how do we see God more clearly? How can we pursue God? How do we know him better? Well, the first way that you can know him better is this, the scriptures. Get your nose in the book. Read the book. I sat with a, one of my, my friends this week, and he was really cool. He was in my office. Uh, he was really committed to the Lord. He goes, where do I start? He's holding his Bible. He goes, I don't even know where to start. I said, you know what? I said, we're going to start with Jesus. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When you get done with that, you've got to suck it up a little bit through Matthew's genealogy. You know, I understand why. I said, you'll learn later why it's important. But right now, fall in love with the person of Jesus, and then we'll start to add some other things. The Scriptures reveal the heart of God. Here's the challenge. Sometimes we live on other people's interpretations of the Scriptures rather than the Scriptures themselves. I'm all for books. I'm all for podcasts. They do not replace you putting the nose in the book yourself. They don't. They're additional, but they don't. Read the Scriptures. Get your nose in the book. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true. Everybody say "true." true. Revelation is truth. And to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The Scriptures guide us. They give us revelation of who Jesus is, and they also give us revelation of who we are. It's important. John 14, 21 says this: those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. The heart of God is that He reveals Himself to us. Now, the second thing that we need, if you want to understand and know who God is, you want to experience revelation and see Him clearly, is you need to be a person of the Spirit. Part of it's Scripture, part of it is the Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit so important? Why do we need to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because the Holy Spirit leads us into the reality of who He is. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth. Truth is not a single-minded pursuit that's on your shoulders alone. The Holy Spirit's unction inside of us leads us into truth. John 16, 13 puts it this way. When the Spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. He'll tell you about the future. The Holy Spirit brings life and clarity to your faith. The Holy Spirit's so important. This is why people will hold up the Bible, but at times not act like Jesus. Sometimes we elevate rules and regulations over the heart of God. It's not either or, it's and and both. We need them both. It's important that you are intentional with this. Why? Because the enemy loves to try to distort your image of who God is. If he can mess with how you see God, with his image, then he can totally come and and, and just take you out at the knees as far as trying to live out God's will. You'll never figure out your purpose and your will for the Lord if you don't know who he is clearly, if you see something different. So God gives Isaiah a vivid picture of who he is. And in the light of this revelation, Isaiah has this response. It's simple. Oh, no. You are God, and I am not. And Isaiah, he's put in his proper place. And what did God do to put him in that place? He just showed up. He didn't say, now, Isaiah, we have to have a talk. He didn't deal with the mental faculties of who Isaiah was. He was just like, you know, whoop, there it is. And Isaiah's like, oh, no. You know, he sees him face to face. He has a reality check. He understands clearly. He's God, and I'm not. Have you ever thought you were something, and then you encountered the real thing, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm not as something as I thought I was." I remember years ago. Um, you know, we were in I think Bolingbrook, Illinois. And I was in a place, I thought, you know, I, I, we had a new gym that opened in town. I said, I'm going to get a gym membership. I've never done a gym membership ever. But we're going to do this. And the gym membership came with, with a free personal trainer visit. you had like, two free. I thought it was going to be great. And I thought, this is, you know. So I'm filling out the questionnaire, and they asked me my athletic level. And you have, like, you know, beginner, you know, moderate, expert, intergalactic. And, of course, you know, I was a college athlete. Intergalactic, thank you very much. And I checked the box. Now, again, that was a few years ago, but you don't lose that stuff, right? (laughs) It's like riding a bike. (laughs) Like through gravy villages, (laughs) though. It's really great. So I showed up for my personal training thing, and there's a girl about that tall. She looked like she weighed like 72 pounds. And I thought to myself, well, you know, can I not get somebody bigger? This is crazy. You know, I don't want to embarrass this girl. So I thought. So you get in there, and they do this evaluation of who you are. They have the sheet, what I marked, and then she does her own evaluation to know where you start because you can't plot a way to where you're going to go till you know where you are, right? And she was very nice, but I could tell she read my thumb, She was like, hmm, expert, huh? So I get down there, and we just did a few little tests. We, get a, we did a thing on the treadmill. We did a thing on the bike. We did just thing how much weight you can do. You know, I didn't do any of the pool stuff. yet; yeah, they didn't have a pool. So she gives me all this stuff. And I realized about 38 seconds into the first test, Houston, we have a problem. I can't catch my breath. She keeps touching the button on this thing. It's going faster. I need it to go slower. I'm not making this up. All the things in the box, it was beginner, 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 beginner. If there was a box that said slug, she would have checked that box. (laughs) Worm, check the box. You know what that was for me? A reality check. So I'm holding this paper, and I'm like, I felt like I was back in fourth grade. How did I not score better on this? Oh, that's right. I didn't study. That's why I stunk on this. And I had a decision to make. I could receive the stuff that she said and start Or I could take it, throw it away, and say, that's not me. They don't know me. I'm just going to do my own thing. Now, thank God we never just say, that's not me. I'm going to do my own thing. This is why we need input in our lives from other people, beloved. It is. Not just in, you know, physical attributes, but also in the rest of things in life. It was my reality check. Kind of like Isaiah's. God moved Isaiah. From the understanding of who he thought he was in relationship with God to the reality of who he was in the relationship with God. In the light of that reality, Isaiah is completely overwhelmed. That reality showed Isaiah how far he was away from God. Let's keep reading the passage. Look at Isaiah 6.6. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coals touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. So we always start, when it comes to cultivating the proper response with God, you always start with first revelation. You need to know who God is. The second thing that you have to do is this. You have to understand part of God's heart, which is for us, restoration. What is restoration? Restoration is simply this, God transforming us to become who he created to be restoration for us is a pruning, it's a shaping, it's a molding, it's a putting things back right the way they should be. So Isaiah, again, is faced with the reality of just how far away he is from God, and the response is this, it wrecks him. He sees all the brokenness in his own life, all of the gunk, all of the sin, all of the brokenness. You know what it does? He just melts. He's undone. Woe to me. Oh my gosh, this is awful. And he's just a mess. Now, what's interesting is this, in this encounter. God doesn't leave Isaiah in this puddle of goo. He doesn't leave him in this mess. It does not produce, you know, good pleasure for God to reduce Isaiah to a worm. It's not the heart of God to destroy Isaiah. It's not the heart of God to destroy you. It's not the heart of God to leave you in a broken state like this. It's not the heart of God to leave you in a place of perpetual unworthiness. He makes us aware of this, these things in us. He made Isaiah aware of these things in him so that he can start the process of restoration. So he can dig in and start to remove all of those things that keep us from him. The Spirit, that's the work of the Spirit inside of us. He reveals all the problems in us, all those things that are broken, all the fractures, so that God can bring healing to those areas, so that we can be restored to a covenant relationship with Him. The heart of God is always restoration and reconciliation. Always. That's His heart for you, and beloved, that's His heart for the church. Restoration and reconciliation. Conviction is the job of the Holy Spirit, and it's important, and he's really good at it. But you know what? We're not. Do you know why we're not good at it? We don't see all things. We see in part. And if you're like me, sometimes we struggle to fully understand and comprehend the will of the Father. We try our very best, but sometimes we miss it. I mean, think of some of the things that Jesus did. Would you have passed those tests? Woman brought to you, caught in adultery. You're right in the dirt. That would not be high on my list of what to do. You know, woman touched your cloak. She should have died. She should have been killed because she was unclean. You don't touch people when you're unclean. But what did Jesus do? He brings restoration and life because he's connected to the Father. It's important. So our job as believers, our main job is to enter the process that Jesus came with. And that's the process of reconciliation, bringing people close to God. Second Corinthians 5.18 says this, And all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting the people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Reconciliation is the heart of restoration. Now, beloved, know this. We can't help anybody else with reconciliation until we're walking in restoration ourselves. We have to be walking in that measure of healing. Now, I'm not saying that you got to be perfect before you can help somebody out. But what I'm saying is this. The process has to be started in your life. So how do we as believers walk in this process of restoration? A couple little practical things. First is this. Stay yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. Understand he's God and you're not. Don't let your faith solely live in your brain. If you do, it'll get cold and it'll die. Allow the warmth of the Spirit to fill your lungs. Allow the Spirit to guide you. Here's another practical thing. Have covenant relationships. People that you can share your triumphs and your failures with. You know one of the big problems with Christianity today? We're too isolated. We have our little personal relationship with Jesus. It's just me and Jesus, we understand it all. And we invite people along our road as long as they agree with us. How do you do with people that love you that tell you you're wrong? Do you have anybody like that in your life? If you don't, you ready for this? You're wrong. You don't see all things. You don't bat a thousand. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Why do we struggle to share? Why do we struggle to have this intimacy? You know why? Because the church has taught us sometimes when you do things that are wrong, when you drop the ball, we throw you away rather than bring you close. And and look at me. Everybody eyeballs, look at me real quick. If we have done that to you as a church or any church you've been has done that to you, look at me. Please forgive us. That is not the heart of the Father. That's not our heart either. The church, we still move in humanity. And sometimes humanity fails us. Mature believers understand the process of transformation takes time. By the way, covenant relationships, they work both ways. That doesn't mean that we're just pouring into people or people are just pouring into us. It's both. We pour into others, others pour into us. I have four men in my life. Two of them I've walked with for over 25 years that I speak to every day. And these people... Sometimes look at me and say, TJ, you're wrong. TJ, you're veering. I can receive what they say. You know why? They love me. They love the chunky Greek guy. They care for me. My father died. Two of them jumped on a plane. Flew to Warsaw, Wisconsin to stand with me. Because that's just what we have, baby. If you don't have that in your life, find it. Get it. Share your heart with them. And for us as a church, do me a favor. Prove that you can handle people's brokenness. Don't throw them away. Bring them close. Don't spread the worst moments of people's lives. Bring them close. Love them. And Together, let's see them healed. Are you with me? Let's finish this up. Isaiah 6, 8 says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? I said, Here am I. Send me. This is nuts. So Isaiah goes from, you know, God showing up, and Isaiah going, Ah! Then, you know, from Revelation, Isaiah goes to the next step for him, which is understanding you're God, I'm not, I'm a worm, what am I going to do? And then God brings in Isaiah's life restoration. And then after there's restoration, something starts to change in Isaiah. Once God unlocks restoration in, in his life, once he unlocks restoration in our life, you start to see yourself as God sees you. And then when you see yourself the way that God sees you, you see where you fit into his plan and is perfect perfectly, and 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 then you can respond in a way that God wants you to respond that glorifies the kingdom. That's when we have the proper response. Beloved, you have no control over the things that come your way, none. I've seen the righteous, people much more what I think connected to God than I am people that have been much better parents, much better this, much better pastors. I've seen guys that have experienced calamity that I just don't understand that I don't think they brought on themselves at all. It's just things that happen. And, and guys, sometimes life unfolds like that. I have good friends of mine that have lost children that are younger than me. I don't understand all that. I've seen people that have walked through cancer and broken things, and it's just awful and it's terrible. And it reminds me of this. In this world, you will experience trouble and you'll experience pain. Life sometimes unfolds in ways that we don't expect and we don't understand. We try to figure it out, but you can't. Even sometimes when it comes to our faith, God will stretch us beyond anything that we can think or imagine. You cannot control the things that come at you. What you can control is how you will respond. You can control how you'll respond. So Isaiah gets this full picture of who God is. God starts to download this plan for Isaiah in his time. What he wants him to speak and do for the nation. How he wants the kingdom to be established in his time. And he lays this whole thing out. And in God's master plan, there's only one thing missing. He's missing one ingredient. Somebody to step up. Somebody to go for him. Somebody to be a conduit for the kingdom. And in that moment, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. I'm your guy. I'm going to get this done. He goes from worm to warrior. I'm your guy, God. Let's get this done. Beloved, God is always looking for somebody that he can establish his kingdom through. And very rarely does he use the best or the brightest, which is good news for all of us. Right? He's always asking who will go. What will you do? I uh, was talking to one of my, as uh, I talked to about now, the, the ring's getting bigger. There's probably about 15 guys on Sunday, pastors, local pastors and some that are a little far out. Um, and we, we kind of connect uh, before we get ready to preach on Sunday. We unify. And uh, we pray together. And one of them last week said, hey, how's that third service going? I said, terrible, we haven't had it yet. He goes, oh, I got the dates mixed up. I said, that's fine. I said, "Keep praying." And then he and I had a side conversation. He goes, "Why?" He goes, "I just why?" I said, "That's a great question." Because you must be a glutton for punishment to give up another day, another Saturday. He's like, "Why? What would make you want to do that?" I said, that, "Do you like doing that stuff?" And I just sent him the two-word response or two-letter response back. No, I don't, I don't like to do that. I, that's not in my heart. I could think of about 150 other things I would rather do. Not that you guys aren't delightful, <laughs> but my couch is really nice. He says, but I understand why. I said, because I feel in my gut that God wants us to do this. Two weeks ago, I heard Pastor Steve talking about something that God put in his heart a few years ago, about a Saturday night. So, you know, I mean, I feel in my heart this is what we're supposed to do. You know it will show if it's God's heart or not? If it works or not. But in the meantime, we step out. It's not about me. If it was about me, beloved, our church would look really different. Make sure your faith isn't just centered around you. Is in your faith there an element that says, Here, my Lord, send me. Not come and bless what I'm doing. Send me to be a part of what you want me to do. There is power in sending. And it's uncomfortable and it's scary, and my couch is much different. But still we go. So here's my question. What is God asking of you today? You know that thing that you continue to say, but well, God, I can't do this. And he continues to ask you over and over and over. Because you know we think that we've got to be at this certain pedigree to just do what he asks us to do. So we're gonna give you a little jumpstart today to help you with this. We're gonna do a little thing called encouraging words. We did this, I think in November, maybe. I'm gonna ask the guys to set up the chairs. What are encouraging words? It's an opportunity for God to speak to you in a way to continue to launch you on your path. Um, these are prophetic words. Now, this is very simple so you don't get freaked out. Um, we're going to have little teams up here, two people on a team. You get to come up and sit down and talk to somebody. And they're going to pray. And they're going to ask God, you know, Lord, give us something for our brother or sister here. And if God does, great. If they don't, they're just going to pray for God to bless you. Um, a little more gently, voice. <laughs> or like, like, like WWE, ah! <laughs> so what is the prophetic? What's a prophetic word? Sometimes when you think of a prophetic word, you think of Nostradamus. You think of doom and gloom. This is what a prophetic word is from the, the Scriptures. This is 1 Corinthians 14.3. It says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Everybody say strengthening. Encouragement. Comfort. This is what a new testament prophetic word is. So, down here you should experience when somebody speaks to you something that strengthens you, something that encourages you, something that comforts you. Now, notice the thing that was not put in there, you know, it's one thing to be comforted, it's not the same thing to be comfortable. Very rarely does God leave you exactly where you are. If he did, you know, think of it, if you just never grew in your life, you'd still be wearing onesies and sucking from a bottle but we grow. So once a prophetic word is spoken over to you, over you, how do you respond to that prophetic word? Well, you know what's funny? The Bible gives us instruction on that as well. 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says this. This is when you're sitting there, this is what you're allowed to do. This is what you do when the word is spoken to you. The first is this. It says, don't scoff at prophecies. That means this. Open your heart to the possibility that God could speak to you through somebody in this way. It's in the word. And it's not like an obscure passage. First Corinthians 14, it's a whole chapter devoted to one thing, the prophetic. That's it. And nowhere does it say that it would go away. It's still here. The second thing it says is this: it says, Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything that's said. It's your responsibility to test it when somebody speaks something over you. How do you test it? Well, first, does it resonate in your heart with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? Second, does it in alignment with the scriptures? If it's not in alignment with the scriptures, Throw it away and send me an email. I'm serious. And the third thing, and this is important, ready for this? It says, test everything that's said, hold on to what is good. That means this don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes humans, you know, they get, they started out right, and sometimes they veer a little bit. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak those things to you, and you hold on to those things. So I'm going to invite the encouraging word teams to come and join me. And this is how we're going to end today. If you would like an encouraging word, and guys, by the way, how many of you had an encouraging word last time you were here or when we did it last time? Raise your hand if you had an encouraging word. Put it up real high. Did anybody die? Was it good? This is what we're going to do. If you'd like an encouraging word, it's only going to be about, you know, maybe 90 seconds maybe two, because we have a lot of people that will be here. I'd like you to line up on the outside walls, find a group. And they'll give you an encouraging word. So I'm going to pray, then I'll release you to come up. Heavenly Father, we love you. We're grateful, Lord, that you speak to us. I pray that, God, that we would hear you clearly this morning. And Father, this morning would be a morning of um, transformation. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.